and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. In this week's show, we discuss the 36-17 Champions Cup defeat away in France. Undoubtedly, we came up against the good Bordeaux team on the day, but our cause wasn't helped by some questionable officiating. After a relentless fixture schedule, will the week off we now have after this defeat help us regroup and re-energise in our bid for league glory? All this and more on this week's show, I'm joined by Lee, Miles and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, gentlemen, possibly not the show that we were hoping to um, to record with a, a home quarterfinal for the, uh, for the taking, but... Uh, we fell to defeat. Uh, let me come to you first, Lee. Going into today's game, uh, how, how confident were you? Yeah, I was, I was very confident, actually, team. I know Bordeaux don't lose very often at home, but I just felt we had all the, the necessary tools to go over there. And um, I, I, I maybe stupidly, well, yeah, in hindsight, stupidly, felt we could go over there and really put a stamp of authority down in Europe and say, look, Bristol Bears are, have arrived on in town. And I, I was confident we'd get the win. It's, yeah, definitely. And let me come to you, Pete. Uh, obviously not the result we wanted, but uh, a blistering start with Purdy going over after six minutes. Uh, what, what were you thinking at that point? Well, it was all looking positive then, Tony. I thought we started really well. Uh, great try from Purdy. We we looked keen. We looked uh, we looked up for it. Um, and you know, from that moment on, I thought it's not going to be easy. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. Bordeaux are a good side. We know last season they took us right to the wire. But there was there was nothing to suggest in those first few minutes that we weren't going to be right in that competition right to the end um so ultimately it was quite disappointing that we just it let it well it was disappointing that the game slipped away for whatever reasons we discuss in a minute yeah and and miles how about you how how are your feelings overall about about that game yeah, I'm, a bit, I'm very disappointed, like most Bristol fans, really. To, 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 to just reiterate what the boys have said, going into that game, we pretty much had our first team squad. A lot of players back from injury, uh, Randall on the bench, some fantastic players available. And I thought, like like the boys, we'd go ahead and not steamroll a French team. I don't think we're ever going to do that. But I was confident that we would quietly and slowly gain momentum and win the game. So hugely disappointed that it slipped away from us at the end. And one thing that was a real mystery to me was why the hell did they have the floodlights on when it must have been the sunniest, brightest day of the year? Did you see that? Right from the very start, there was this pictures of blue sky and they had all the floodlights on. So that that, that was a mystery for, for me. Maybe, uh, maybe they were shot by the pink on the uh, on the bear shirt, mate, the European shirt, maybe. I don't know. What, the one that they didn't wear? Because we were yeah, wearing yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, So, Lee, um, we, we've already talked about that, that early try. Uh, beautiful handling to get the ball out to Purdy and a good finish. 
uh, and then it was a bit of a kicking seesaw, wasn't it? Uh, we we'd score, they'd score a penalty, we'd score a penalty, um, and of course they went in just ahead at uh, halftime, fifteen points to fourteen. Jalibert lethal off the tee as we knew he would be um, at halftime. Did you think, yeah, this is still a game that we can win, or were the seeds of doubt already taking root in your mind? Uh, no, at halftime, I, I thought that. I th- obviously, 15-14, uh, we're still in the game. We're, you know, a point in it. And obviously, they just scored the, the three points just before halftime. And at that point, I thought, well, we hadn't played well. We we showed a lot of ill discipline. We'd given away uh, silly penalties again. But we were still in the game. And I was expecting... We had a strong bench. And I was expecting the second half to be, um, you know, maybe kind of dominated by the premiership games that we've had recently but I, I thought the second half we would come out stronger and I thought we would we would push on and like Miles has said we, we were never going to uh, train it but I thought we would definitely win the game quite comfortably in the second half yeah, Miles, let me come to you. Uh, obviously, we had an opportunity quite early on in that half uh, to to get right back in it. Henry Purdy uh, try was disallowed. Um, the right decision for you? Yeah, I mean, what was that? About, there was a 51-minute spare scrum and then a quick ball out to the wing. Yeah, I think that was actually one of the only TMO decisions that Went on well. Well, there was seemed correct. Let me uh, re- reiterate that. Yeah, he was knocked. He was well knocked out by the French player, uh, stripped out of Purdy's hand, and a disallowed try. I think we were all disappointed because it was a lovely run by him. But then, yeah, I think after that things didn't really pick up, did they? No. And Pete, uh, how can you best describe that that second half performance? <laughs> well. I feel like I've done a master's in rugby rules because I don't know how much of the... We talk about ball in play, don't we, in rugby and how much ball in play, but we we, we probably spent the most amount of time listening to a kind of deep dive into rugby rules in that second half between the TMO and the, and the ref. So it was, it was a very frustrating half. There was no real momentum and... We were up there and then for whatever reason, we then gave it away and we just never got, regardless of anything, it just never felt like we got a real foothold where we dominated and we got into, and I felt like Lee, that our second half uh, with our bench and maybe a tiring big French fat pack, which is a bit stereotypical, that we would sort of ease our way to victory. And of course, there was quite a lot of drama, some of it our own making, there's no doubt about it, but also other things. And it was just, it wasn't the second half that I was predicting at half time. But, you know, it, it, the result was the result, wasn't it? Certainly was. And, um, you know, we had the, the referee, Mike Adamson, and the TMO, Peter Ferguson. Lots of comments on social media after the game. Um, uh, as, a, as, as a fan, as a, as a spectator, I found the performance of those two frustrating, even as a neutral. I think the amount of time they took to, to review things. Uh, and then personally, I, I think they, they got some wrong. Uh, and some big calls wrong. Yeah. And um, let me come to you, Lee. You know, it's one of the easy things 
to to blame the the, the referee. Um, you know how how did we lose that game? Were Bordeaux that much better than us? Did we underperform? Or you know the crucial calls by the referee and TMO in that second half uh, were just wrong and and cost us points in the game. How, how do you see it? I think it was probably a combination of of all of those factors, Tony. To be fair, um, I mean I, I do agree with you. I, I thought I actually thought um, Adamson Adamson was was doing okay to start with. Um, he, he actually seemed to have his own mind, uh, but the TMO was constantly blah, blah, blah in his ear. It reminded me of my, my ex, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and, and it was, it was a case of, you just kind of, you, 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 you didn't know it was, it was back to football again, wasn't it? It was back to VAR again. It was like, you, you know, what's, what's going on here? And obviously, I mean, they were right with the Purdy um, disallowed try, but, I, I do think it was a factor. It, all three things kind of converged together to contribute to that loss. But but what I don't want to do is, as bad as the TMO and the referee were, and I totally agree, I, I, I felt that that was a game that was absolutely winnable for Bears. And I don't think we went out there with the right attitude today to win that game. And that obviously then adds fuel to the fire when referees and TMOs are ad, uh, making decisions like they did. I think that, that if we play our game, that doesn't mean anything because we're, we're clear we win the game. And Pete, let me come to you. Do, you. do you think we were allowed to play our game? Was it a case that, that, that we misfired or that Bordeaux just tactically were, were, were better than us and stopped us playing our game? No, it's definitely an element of that. And I think in Jalibert, they had a playmaker that was supreme. Um, and some of his tactical kicking was superb that put us on the back foot, never never made it comfortable for our back three. I mean, well, Charles Piertow and Luke Morahan, it never really felt comfortable for them. Um, and I think the other thing is that they, they just played a sensible game. I mean, they gave away a lot of penalties as well. We weren't the only ones giving away penalties. and um, But we... Did we make the most of those opportunities? That's the question. And I think in the first half, we, we could have made more of the penalties. We, we, we kicked to the corners and did what we normally do, but then didn't get anything from it. Uh, whereas first half, Jalibert hit five penalties. You know, they're, they're beating us at half time. I was thinking, hang on, how's that happened? So I think it, it's a combination of, 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 it's always a combination of many things. But I, I think that we just didn't, I don't think our forwards imposed themselves as much um, as they as they wanted to, um, I think they were the French were pretty pretty were pretty hard at the, the breakdown. There's no doubt about it. Um, and of course, we are much better when we're on the front foot and, and we're, we're running at pace. So, yeah, yeah, a mix of everything. Lee, I think you want to jump in. I just wanted to add to what Pete just said. Then I think what, one of the key areas for us was at the lineout, and I think yeah. Bordeaux were, were pressing us, push, pushing us at the lineout, and I think that. Um, obviously, if Stephen Luatua, who normally plays six, he, you know, he's Mr. Steady, Mr. Calm. Chris Bowie, we were getting pressured so much. Chris Bowie, you could hear it. He was actually making uh, really late calls at the lineout, and Brian yeah. Broom was going straight to the back, and and that just that just kind of hmm. I think that influenced a, a lot of of how we were attacking going forward. Um, but you absolutely totally agree with Pete. 
it did seem and, like and they, Miles, they, yeah. Sorry, I was saying sorry, it did John. seem like they sussed out our line out a bit. And then when Olivier Rumat came on, or, or actually what was it? It was his son. They were saying on commentary it looked just like his his dad. But yeah, they that and of course anything like that when we've been so good at that, it sows doubt and it sows seeds of doubt in the in the whole team, doesn't it? And then you try and force things, and I think that's yeah. that's what happened. Sorry, go on. Uh, Miles, I was just going to come to you. I'm picking up on the point that uh, uh, Lee mentioned there, missing Luatua. Uh, just how important his captaincy skills are to this team because, you know, we, we heard Sheedy talking to the referee a lot. Um, you know, p- perhaps all that chat got on, on the wrong side of the referee. What what what, what do you think? Would, would it have been a different outcome if Stephen Luatua was there to keep a, a steady hand? Yeah, potentially. I mean, I agree with Lee. I mean, one of my points I wrote down in my notes was Callum was annoying the referee. So just, you know, just getting in his ear, I think it was a bit more than that. It was clear that the referee was saying, I'm making decisions, I'm going to the TMO, just keep out of it, Callum. And you're right, some of the lineup calls, as Lee correctly said, were just poor or really late. And I feel that Big Steve would have calmed down that influence and make some more generous decisions. So I think we did miss him on this occasion. And and that's not to take anything away from Chris Vui, because, we, I mean, collectively, the four of us love that guy. But obviously, you know, he's playing a, a position that, you know, he has played there before, but not he wouldn't usually play there. And I, and I think he was trying to to grasp the situation on the field. And, and that's a very difficult way uh, thing to do when, when you're in the heat of the battle. And, and it was credit to Bordeaux that they did suss our line out. Okay, I, let, let me come to each of you in turn then. Um, there was that critical point. I think it was 22-17. Um, we, Harry Randall that come on, the artful dodger is back, um, uh, took the quick tap and then got body checked after a meter, uh, then went on and, of course, went down injured uh, with the swinging, swinging arm to, that looked like towards his face. Uh, but then there was that 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 knock-on, or was it a knock-on? They're number eight. Um, conveniently, the French television company seemed to have, at that point, only have two cameras that yeah. were actually on the uh, on the situation. Let me come to you, hand on heart. Lee, did you think it was a knock-on? I thought it was a complete shambles, Tony. Uh, it was an absolute knock-on. It was so clear. Uh, it was so obvious. And it was... It, like you've just said then, it was those first two uh, angles, those first two camera angles, I mean, they, they showed there was a knock-on in the third one. But I couldn't, I, like, how could, you, how could you change your mind from that? It was so clear. It was so obvious. And Pete, what do you think? Because the referee had a good long look at it. The TMO had a good long look at it and said... <laughs> They, they couldn't see a knock-on. Yeah, I mean, it was it was tough. And it wasn't, I say, quite as obvious as that. But there was clearly a movement from the ball off the number eight's hand. But then when you add that to the fact that when you look at the bigger picture, the ball went like miles backwards. It's like, well, how did it get there? You know, it must have, there must have been some sort of forward propulsion. Um, but I, I do think it was, a, though I, it, it was, it was tight and it wasn't helpful not having the right things. But there, to me, it did look, 
I, I'd say it looked like there was a movement forward. And, I mean... <laughs> Almost you've got to go with the, the reactions of the players as well. I, I think they were so... Bristol players were pretty convinced, weren't they? And there was a... Yeah, I know you can say, well, maybe it was it was sportsmanship, but sometimes you do get that feeling where they couldn't quite believe that it, it right. hadn't been given. So, but you know, like anything in life, once it's gone, it's gone. You have to accept it. And we, you know, we still had chances to, to get back in the game after that. And, and Miles, your thought? What was yeah, knock on uh, or not? Uh, I, I totally agree with you, TC. There were not enough camera angles in any of that game. The entirety. I mean, BT Sport must have been fuming, really, that the French were in charge of that TV coverage. Uh, it was, you know, it wasn't really conclusive. Semi was uh, blocked a camera angle, which yes, it looked like a knock on, but it wasn't convincing. And you can sort of understand with the TMO was dealt with what he could see on the screen. And it just wasn't convincing enough to give the, the knock on, which is just very unfortunate. Mm. I, tell you, I tell you another one that, that, that quite surprised me, and we're not going to make it just a TMO and referee show, but the Jalibert try, which was uh, not given as a try uh, on the field, uh, that they then did give it because they saw a grounding, but they didn't know there was no evidence that they grounded the ball on the line or over it. So again, that just seemed a bit of a a mystery to me. And I'll I'll be totally honest as well, to be, to be fair, the yellow card that Bordeaux got, I thought was incredibly harsh. Yeah. Where, um, you know, I think they said on commentary, the referee looked determined that he was going to give a yellow card to someone. And I, I know they'd had a team warning, but when you're on the halfway line and it's kind of the third thing, which, you know, was quite questionable whether he had, you know, gone off his feet or whether the ball was out. I just thought it was poor refereeing all mm. round. Well, um, initially, Adamson didn't call for that, no. did he? It, it, no. It, it, no. That was the second decision. He, he went like that. And, it, and it was. That's right, yeah. And and it was. It was a case of, like, it, it, he was he was almost trying to validate the fact that he he probably got it wrong the first time. Someone's going to get a yellow card anyway. So can you bring that back so we can, you know, we're on that second warning basis. Keep, 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 keep rolling it until I can find a reason to give someone a yellow card. Oh, yeah. it's, 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 you want to come in? It's completely contradictory to the decision for the knock-on because mm. the knock-on, they didn't think that there was enough evidence from the cameras to to give it so therefore didn't but then from that one there was clearly not enough evidence from the cameras either to to know where that ball got grounded but they decided that it was he he changed his mind so you can't have it both ways and i think i mean i can accept the knock-on one because you know they were looking for an obvious reason not to but i can't accept that Jalibert one because he clearly said it was it was held up so once he said yeah. that I assume and I could be wrong he's saying on his opinion no try therefore you have to find conclusive evidence that there was and there was no way you could see from that TV that the grounding was on the line or beyond the line because you, you, you could see a grounding but you couldn't see it so I, and I think and then the other one Tony that I think you mentioned which was absolutely clear as day was that the body check off the tap and go 
from Harry Randall. I mean, forget about okay. I the, the, the headshot afterwards. There's mitigation a little bit on that because Randall was on his yeah. way down and he's only about two foot three, and the guy was just coming from the side. But forget about that. I mean, that was irrelevant. It was the fact that he got body checked after a yard. That was a clear, and the ref said yeah. play on, didn't he? And that is a cl- that was a clear mistake that the TMO should have come in because if the ref is a lot going on, I can I can let the ref off sometimes when it's busy. Someone taps it. Someone runs. There's people all over the place. But that was an obvious. That was just, I mean obvious. Even my nine year old daughter, who knows nothing, looked at that and thought, "That's not right." And that was a big I'd, mistake I'd, there. Adamson, he definitely lost his brain on the field at some point. Or at that came, point, I think he lost it a bit at that the Harry Randall situation because there was a lot going on. And I think he was getting a lot of grief in his ear as well from Bristol. <laughs> and I think that didn't help matters. And I think the funny thing about the captains talking, you know, you were saying that, um, you know, we always say it was a bit unfair on the French that they don't get refs that speak French but in this instance I think it was quite good because Jefferson Poirot obviously couldn't really have a conversation with him because he just kept saying to Jefferson Poirot you know that's uh, uh, Jefferson Poirot just kind of walked away whereas Callum Sheedy was chatting all the time and it almost kind of made Mm. Callum Sheedy's chat a lot worse Um, and so they actually benefited by not having a French ref who could speak French to be honest Well I I thought Adamson's French was was quite good actually I thought he was better than Miles's for sure Well I I think he'd be listening to the podcast last week. And, and, <laughs> he did and, and say Lashley a lot, didn't he? Yeah, release, release. I even listened to last week's podcast. <laughs> when, I, when he kept on like Lashley, I thought he was on a on a direct mic to Lee at home with his peers there. <laughs> um, I, I think he was definitely on the Lashley. <laughs> okay, let, 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 let's, let me come to Miles' uh, performances that uh, stood out for you from the Bristol team. I can't name any TC. It's terrible, isn't it? I tell, tell a lie. Uh, I thought when John O'Farrell came on, he played a blinder. He was really direct, big hitting, good releasing, and really strong. But before he came on, I'm really struggling to name someone who really stood out in my mind, which is terrible. Sorry. Lee, let me come to you then. Do you, any, any Anybody that caught your eye or do you agree with Miles that uh, we, we didn't see any sparkling performances from the people that started in the, the first 15? No, I, I, I don't think we really did see any sparklers there, to be honest, too. Um, I mean, it was it was like the dampest uh, fireworks night <laughs> per se, wasn't it? I, I mean, there was, you could, in mit- mitigation, you could say, Possibly, um, I don't know. Uh, no, actually, um, I, I have one name, but I'm, uh, no, it was, it, it was pretty poor. Sorry, boys. <laughs> all, all right then, all right then, Pete. Is there anybody you're gonna you're gonna uh, single out? Well, I think Henry Purdy needs to get a, a singling out. I mean, he took the try really well. Um, he uh, the one that he he knocked on. I mean, he basically took that as a standing. He did. A, he was standing still when he got that, and he took out two players. And I just think that he looked very comfortable at that level. Again, we've discussed this, and he's he's so powerful in that go forward that I I think you can't argue with Purdy. He didn't do much wrong, and he he did what he had to do. Um, I I think um, 
I think we also got to pay credit to Joycey as well. To be honest, I mean, again, he was he, there was a fair amount of line out went to him. I mean, he's he's. He, I think the fact that he doesn't look out of place. This is the thing. Joycey doesn't look out of place at that sort of level, and you're not expecting Joycey to be running fifty yards and doing three offloads and stuff like that. But I thought he was he was a uh, he was in the game a lot. Um, Oh yeah, so but yeah, I mean, John Afoe when he came on, I mean, he uh, he he looked like the most skillful player on the the pitch for a while. I mean, he was he was like a man possessed at some points, and then he did about five amazing little pop passes in a row, and then then muck one up, didn't he? At the end, and they nearly scored from it. But you got to love the boy. You got to love Afoe for that. I, I thought I thought Afoe was superb when he came on. The, just yeah. the the momentum shift uh, was was quite incredible. I've also got to say I thought Ben Earl carried well when when he came on. Um, you know he he's had a couple of shaky games and, and Ed Holmes uh, I, I I thought added something, but alas, all a bit too little, too late. Lee, you wanted to to make a comment. I just well, I, I absolutely totally agree with those. Uh, Purdy was the one guy I I. I did single out. I think he, he could have, um, he, he actually did play quite well. Um, but I just want to mention this is like, because we want it, we need to lighten the load a little bit here, don't we? I just wanted to mention that break that Alapati played <laughs> <laughs> through, through the centre. And I, and I was thinking, like, oh, here we go, here we go, come on, boys. And then he showed the pace of Gaston. Cortez, <laughs> and I think made about made about five yards, and then was brought down. And come on, let's 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 lighten the load and just have a laugh at that because, I mean, that was pretty shocking. I think Miles could have carried the ball a little bit further. Than that, <laughs> in all fairness. <laughs> uh, okay, no, it was a good point. Um, you, you do wonder if Piers O'Connor was uh, steaming through there at 12, whether the, he, he would have gone all the way. But uh, <laughs> it's interesting when you look at the stats because uh, we had 56% possession, uh, 54% territory, 564 metres to their 457. But probably the telling stats are clean breaks. We made three to their eight. Uh, turnovers conceded uh, we gave away 19 to their 10 but interestingly on the penalty count uh, they give away 16 penalties to our nine but boy did Bordeaux make those nine penalties really really count Uh, Charles ended up with 111 metres Luke Morahan 125 metres and uh, Purdy 72 metres so you know if you, you came to that game cold and you look at those stats uh, you know, we, you know, we weren't swept aside, um, but it just didn't click for us, did it? Just didn't click for us on the day. Um, I've got to say, um, we're not going to spend too long on our predictions from last week because we all got it wrong. Um, so uh, no, no points for anybody there. Um, right, but before we move on, any, any final thoughts uh, on, on this game? Um you know, Pat predictably maybe said, you know, it's a learning experience. And I think Callum Sheedy afterwards said, you know, we, we'll, we'll grow from this. But uh, yeah, ha, ha, how do you feel um, and how we're going to react to this? Lee, I think you want to make a comment. No, I just want to emphasise, I think, that the, the points that Pat and Callum made. I mean, it, it just goes to show that actually, as well as we have been doing in the league, we're not quite ready for um, for Europe yet, and 
you know, I mean, this this whole, you know, we we we're still like this European project. It still is in uh in its infancy, isn't it? So, you know, we have to we have to think like as much as I think today was a game that we we absolutely could have won. We're still not quite at the top table in Europe yet, and I think we we still have a lot of learning. And you know, to be fair to the Bears, when we've lost games like this before in the past, we have we you know we've regrouped and we've learned from them. So hopefully, moving forward, we'll do the same again after today. Yeah, let let, let me come to Miles. You want to make a point, Miles? Yeah, I mean, adding to what Lee said, I think. Um... I mean, on this, you know, in the last few games, we've relied on some sort of marginal refereeing decisions, haven't we? And we've come strong in the last five minutes. I mean, I've been watching a lot of rugby this weekend. And, and really, what surprised me is the French teams have really played at pace. Looking at sort of Lyon yesterday, I, I know they lost in the end, and uh, La Rochelle on the Friday night. At absolute pace, which is what we don't expect from the French teams. This is normally what Bristol are so good at, playing at place, quick rugby. But this weekend, I do not know. We just couldn't get, we couldn't match that pace. And the marginal decisions didn't go our way. So it's a great learning point. We need to sort of play a little bit better, uh, learn to play against tough French teams. And we will grow from this. I agree. That's a good shout, Miles. Yeah, and Pete, you wanted to make a point. Well, I just wanted to, to ask you boys, really, what, you thought about Semi and to a lesser extent Charles Piertau because we haven't mentioned those and of course those boys are our box office boys that was what in many ways got us excited when the team sheets were out and you know that's the second game in a row that you could argue Semi's had a he's had an erratic game and I mean I don't know whether today it was that they knew him too well and they shut him down or whether we're almost sometimes we're we're getting drawn into this idea of let's just give it to Semi and he'll do it and you know this isn't it's not like under 12s rugby where you get some big lad that runs through the whole team and I just wonder whether we're not using him quite as much as we should I mean I know the try we scored he did a little loop round and that was amazing but but should we be using him as more of a decoy runner um I don't know it, it was and, and Charles Piertau today I mean you said he had his meters and carries were good but didn't really feel like he made a huge impact and uh, I don't know it's just a thought I do I do, I do think you need to give some credit to Bordeaux though they 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 were yeah. so quick enough in those guys faces um that you know <laughs> Luke, Luke Morahan made what uh, what 125 meters, but got caught um, quite a few times but, in possession. But we've and, had this conversation before, and we've said, well, okay, if that's the case, and if they're marginally offside, which I think we haven't mentioned that. I mean, I think there was a oh. variable offside line as well. Yeah. But we've got to be able to cope with that and do something a little bit different. And I, I just think we. <laughs> We, you know, we talk about the system, but sometimes, you know, are we? This is where we still need to learn: is that we've got to to do something like kick them back on, put them on their toes a little bit, so that they they're on the back foot. And, mm. and I'm not sure we did do that. But anyway, that's just my thoughts. Okay, Lee, you what final point then on this game? Yeah, I just want to say, I, I mean, there's there's no team in Europe that knows semi better than Bordeaux, and. I, I just think that they, they, you are absolutely right, Tone. I think you have to give full credit to Bordeaux. They know how Semi plays. 
And I think they got the game plan right. And we didn't execute our game plan. And that was eventually that's what ended up in, in a defeat. So for, full credit to Bordeaux. And obviously they'll move on. That's going to be a cracking quarterfinal with Racing as well. That'd be, you know, it'd be good to watch for, um, for a neutral point of view now. Will it ever? Will it ever? Well, let's move on then. You're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout, and many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're Bears Beyond Gate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page well let's lighten the load a little bit obviously on last week's show we revealed that pete was just about to hit the 50 mark and uh so it was your your birthday on monday we we uh know you you went down and got your inoculation your vaccination down at the gate proudly wearing your bristol bear shirt but uh i, th- I think you had a nice little bristol bears surprise as well on your birthday <laughs> Well, I did, Tony, and, and as you all know, uh, you know, I, it was the last week of term, so I had to trot into school on Monday morning. Um, you know, that's fair enough; these things happen. Um, got to school, got in there, found that my head of department had left me a lovely kind of few cards and stuff. And then at break time, I was asked to go into our socially distanced dining room where we have coffee. And as I got in there, they'd set up a, a little computer, a little chair, and a few presents, and some of them are kind of better friends of the staff were there uh, all four of them and uh, and they asked me to to watch this video and um you know it was a lovely little thing because I, I i'm i'm quite a you know i, I don't want to boast you know i'm a big cheese in the school big personality i've done a few things over the years and a few stupid things so they've made this lovely little video and of me embarrassing myself at school events and all this sort of stuff and then a few little messages from a staff and then suddenly the uh the screen kind of transitioned and uh and something amazing happened tone um and do i have to say or are we going to play it well well let, let's have a listen because unbeknown to pete uh thanks to someone that uh is uh works at the club uh he got a little message um from quite a few uh at the club so so let's just play that now Pete, happy birthday, pal. 50 years, half a decade. Imagine the knowledge you've accumulated or not. Um, I hope you get weird and wonderful on this great day and you ingest some kind of pancreas crippling cake. Have a good one, pal. Much love. Hi, Pete, mate. Just want to wish you a happy 50th birthday. Keep up the good work on the podcast. Cheers. Hey, Pete, Carl Sinclair here. Um, Happy 50th birthday. Beanie was telling me about the Bears Beyond podcast. I hope it's a great show. I'm going to be be tuning in soon. But thanks for the support, mate. Appreciate it as always. Have a good one. Cheers. Hi, Pete. Uh, Here's your 50th birthday. Just want to wish you a huge happy birthday from everyone here at Bristol Bears. Hope you have a great day and look forward to seeing you at Ashton Gate soon. Cheeto! Hey, happy 50th, Pete. Uh, Congratulations. Big moment. It was, uh, I enjoy it. Life begins at 50, not 40. Um, so, and hey, great work. Really appreciate the support. Doing a great job on Bears Beyond the Gate as well. But have a great day. Have a great year. Cheers, buddy. Well, there we are. To have your own personal birthday message from Max Laheef, Joe Joyce, Carl Sinclair, 
and Callum Sheedy plus Pat Lamb. How did that make you feel? Mate, I mean, you all know that I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a hard man, guys. You know that, don't you? I, I, I just look at fear in the face, pain in the face. I just laugh at it. But I had a tear in my eye, fellas, at school. I mean, how embarrassing is that? I had a little tear in my eye. It was, uh, it was amazing. Um, I mean, having said that, after today's performance, I... I'm just, I'm, no, I'm only joking. Uh, it was amazing. I, and I've, you know, I, I'm very lucky. Uh, do have a, uh, someone I know who works there who, who had, um, you know, gone out of their way to, to, to do this for me. And I, and I think it was a, um, you know, I was very pleased and also just a, a great way of, of, of the club sort of, you know, connecting with people. And, and I, I'm much, massively appreciative and, uh, and hopefully, um, it will be something that I don't lose in my hard drive and throw it away and then have to try and <laughs> find the password or something like that in the future, like all those blokes with Bitcoin. So, yeah, massive thanks. If any of them are listening, because obviously Carl Sinclair, as we know now, is uh, going to be tuning in quite soon to Bears Beyond. So uh, I'm hoping that if Kyle is listening to this one, his debut listen, then Kyle, mate, always appreciate the support. <laughs> Well, to, to make sure you don't lose it, what we'll do, we'll put a copy of the video uh, up on our Bears Beyond the Gate Facebook page. <laughs> so uh, you can, as well as, as having uh, heard it uh, in this podcast, you'll be able to to see it in real life. Lee, you, you wanted to come in there. I just wanted to say, I mean, obviously, uh, congratulations, Pete, obviously on his 50th. Um, he doesn't look a day under, what? Boys, fifty-six, sixty. But no, I just wanted to say it was, it was. I mean, seriously, it was fantastic, and it just, it just showed what an amazing club that we've got. I mean, we, we are all. I mean, we're we're fans, but we, I mean, we love those guys down there to bits, and as much as like sometimes we have to criticise them. Um, it just shows that we are one big, massive family. And I love the fact that they did that for Pete. And personally, I wouldn't have wasted any time on him. But, um, <laughs> but we're very grateful that they did. <laughs> no, I, I, absolutely. And, of course, raconteur and man with words, uh, Max Laheef, uh does actually think you're five years old as well because he <laughs> congratulated you on your half decade. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, he obviously thinks you're, you're, you're young looking. Um, right, let, let's move on then. So the next game is uh, on the 17th of April, Saturday the 17th of April, 2pm kickoff. That's away against Newcastle Falcons. Uh, we'll, we'll preview this game in a bit more detail in next week's episode. Uh, but I just want to ask you uh, all what you think... How, how this two-week break now, because uh, we haven't got a game next week because we're out of Europe, um, it, how much of a help is that going to be for the rest of our league campaign? Let me come to you first, Miles. Uh, yeah, potentially it's not a bad thing. I think for us, it's a weekend off, really, just having more beers, isn't it? But uh, alas for the players, you know, we as we've seen from today, there's a lot coming back from injury. and Potentially we could see a few more coming back from injury. We've been playing really hard game, you know, games week in, week out in the Premiership. And maybe this little week off is just what we need to sort of re-spark some of our energy and to go up to uh, Newcastle and smash them. 
Yeah, and Lee, Lee, what do you think? Obviously, we saw Harry Randall. He he didn't look uh, too good at all uh, in that game. It would be such a shame if uh, if he has got injured just uh, coming back. Semi was down uh, a, a few times as well. Um, but overall, you know, how how do you think this 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 break now is going to uh, help the Bears? Yeah, I totally agree with Barnes. I I think that I mean Randall and Semi. I mean they're both tough little cookies anyway, aren't they? Semi's not obviously quite so little, but um, I, I think that it gives Pat this this period of time now to um, get the boys back on the training field again, and you know get get the England boys back in and show them actually what rugby really is about, and um, and that, all that funny and around that they've been doing uh, with with Ellie James, and and start kind of getting back to the Bears' way again. And I, I agree with Miles. I think it would be fantastic for, for Pat to have all those boys back again. And Pete, uh, one for you. Um, the, the following weekend, uh, we're against uh, Exeter on Friday the 23rd of April. Uh, so working on the assumption that Exeter get past Leinster in the quarterfinal, uh, we'll be playing Exeter the week before they potentially have a Champions Cup semi-final. Again, do you think that's going to play into our hands? Do you think Exeter are going to be tempted to to rest people? Or, or do you think uh, Baxter's going to go all out to try and uh, beat Bristol at the gate? Uh, I think he's a pragmatic sort of bloke, isn't he, Baxter? And I think he'll want to, he'll be happy to be top two. I don't think he's going to be too worried about not winning um, the Premiership before the, or coming top of the table, I should say, before the playoffs. So it kind of depends a little bit. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's, having said that, I mean, we've, we've been stung by, by, Exeter sending a weakened side to us, haven't we? So I, I think we need to forget about what they're going to do. I think we just be focusing on whatever side they put out. We're gonna we're gonna beat them and we're gonna play it. I mean, we're we're gonna have to probably get a bit of momentum going again. Um, and the, and it was one of those problems with being so far ahead. We've got this worry now that we might sort of lose our momentum and then the other teams might get start building it. So I don't know. I I, I think. I mean, at the end of the day, whatever team X to put out, they're going to be uh, going to be competitive in, in in some form or another, aren't they? So I just think we have to assume a hard game. Yeah. Well, let, let, let's hope we can uh, get back to winning ways uh, against Newcastle, a, a team that have uh, suffered quite a drop in form uh, over recent weeks. Uh, one other bit of news that that broke today uh, via the rugby paper was uh, speculation that Pat is interested in signing Gloucester inside centre Mark Atkinson. I'm just interested to get your your views on that. Um, Lee, let me come to you. Um, Atkinson is 31. Um, do you see that as a a good signing, or you know, are 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 there other people or other positions where you think uh, we we'd maybe need to to get someone in before before him? Wow. Uh, first of all, Tone, I haven't seen the rugby paper today, but um, so that's complete news to me. Um, I, I think Atkinson is actually a, a brilliant player. So underrated. I think he's, uh, he's exactly what we should we should need him in the field. Um, sorry, Pete, you just rough, rustle your papers there, and and um, and no, and I I think that actually he would add 
definitely a different dimension to to our midfield. And yeah, I I would definitely go for that. That said, obviously we've all uh, discussed the the various positions that we do need to to possibly strengthen. Um, Centre probably wouldn't be one of those positions, but you know Atkinson for me would definitely add to us. Yeah, and you and your thoughts, Pete. Well, the reason I was rustling now is because I was actually reading the article in the paper. I just <laughs> it says here that it is one of the worst kept secrets in the southwest that Bears boss Pat Lamb is a big fan of Atkinson. Did you know that, boys? No, <laughs> we're obviously no. in the loop, aren't no. we? <laughs> yeah, we're obviously. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he obviously is, and then of course it adds something random that he almost walked away from the game to work in the city ten years ago, which I assume they mean he's quite intelligent. So yeah, I mean. I, I think maybe Pat's just looking at cover again. You know, maybe Piers O'Connor, if he gets an England international call-up or, you know, we're missing a few players and centre is such an important position. I just think I, I see him as the kind of the Cotswold Ciali Piertau. Um, that sort of, you know, he's probably good. You know, Ciali's not going to go on forever. I think he, he, he sounds like he'd be a good club man. Um, so, yeah, I'm all for it. I mean, apparently he's got a clause in his contract Um that he can leave because he because he had to take a pay cut apparently so I, I think again you know a mixture of youth a mixture of experience Atkinson to me looks like a a decent year or two signing why not he's also definitely a bit quicker than Alapasi was for the middle <laughs> well maybe maybe Pat knows yeah maybe Pat's been watching Alapati in training for the last six months and realizes. <laughs> That's why he's after him. But we love Alapati, don't we? So come on. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Miles, your, your thoughts on uh, Atkinson? Uh, good, good, good choice for the Bears if we can get him. Uh, yeah, potentially. I mean, he is a great player for Gloucester, I think. Uh, but yeah, he's, 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 he's getting on a bit. Well, you could argue compared to John Afoa, he's not. Is he just thirty-one? Um, but centre-wise, yeah, I mean, you know, Piers O'Connor really should be called up by Eddie Jones. It's just adding to sort of another string to our bow. And as we saw today, Alapati's getting no young. <laughs> and Ciale has retired from international rugby and just playing for Bristol, but is a, a sterling, you know, Bristol fan. Why not, really? It's not the position I probably would have thought we were strengthened at. But as we well know, Pat knows best, and well, you just listen to him and no one else. In Pat, we trust exactly. Well, well, boys, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw down a challenge to you because obviously for next week's show we aren't going to have a live game to review. So I think this is our opportunity to go through the Bear squad and give our thoughts on where we need to strengthen uh, ahead of next season. And if any listeners uh, out there also want to chip in on Twitter or Facebook, we'd love to hear your thoughts too. Uh, well, that's it for this show. If you like what you've heard, please leave a review or rating for us on your podcast platform. We'll be back next week with our preview of the away game against Newcastle and more Bristol Bears news and views. Until then, goodbye, stay safe and come on, Briz. Come on, Briz.